This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And this is what the Apostle John heard, that God would dwell with him in that verse in Revelation 21.3, that God was going to dwell with them, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. Just like Zechariah heard the same thing in verse 11. Verse 11, I will dwell in the midst of thee. And where will God dwell with those nations? It's simple, God's city. God's city that he's chosen, the city of Jerusalem. Have you ever wondered why that city is called Jerusalem? Jerusalem means city of peace. And why, why did God call the city, his city, the Jerusalem? Why did he call it the city of peace? Romans 5.1 tells us why. One of the reasons, Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants the name of his city to be Jerusalem, city of peace, in order to memorialize the peace that God made with man through the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.10, Romans 5.10 says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. God wants the name of his city to be Jerusalem, city of peace, to memorialize the death of his son, the death of God the, the son, that brought peace. Colossians 1.20, Colossians 1.20 said, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, God wants his, the name of his city. He said, where are you from, God? I'm from Jerusalem, the city of peace. And God wants it to be Jerusalem, the city of peace, to memorialize the blood of Jesus Christ that made peace. Isaiah 27.5, Isaiah 27.5 says, let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me. God wants to be able to say, 
I come from Jerusalem, that's my town, that's my city, city of peace, because God wants to memorialize the strength that he gives to man so that man can make peace with him. Isaiah 54.3, Isaiah 54.3, we were just hearing from Don about child evangelism fellowship, and it's important to evangelize children. And God says, I want peace for your children. In Isaiah 54.13, Isaiah 54.13, and all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. That's Isaiah 54. God says, you don't have to give your kids Ritalin so that they'll have peace to calm them down. Teach them, he says in Isaiah 54.13, teach them about the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Isaiah 54, you can consider Isaiah 54 as an extension of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, the great chapter all about the death, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for our sins. God wants children to be taught about that death so that they can have the great peace of Isaiah 54, 13. Great peace, great shall be the peace of thy children. And God wants his city to be called Jerusalem. I come from Jerusalem, God wants to say. That's my city, the city of peace, to memorialize the peace that God gives to children when they learn about how Christ died for their sins. The Lord Jesus said in John 14, 27, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled. God wants his city, Jerusalem, to be city of peace, to memorialize the peace, the unique peace that Jesus gives that the world cannot give, a peace that takes fear away. Ephesians 2.14, Ephesians 2.14 personalizes peace. It says, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. God wants his city to be named Jerusalem, city of peace, in order to memorialize how Jesus Christ himself is our peace and how he broke down the wall between Jew and Gentile, hence opening the door for all of those nations to come into Jerusalem. And as they come into Jerusalem, no more kosher laws that separated Israel from the Gentiles. No more barring the intermarriage because he has broken down that middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile and made peace. And God wants his city, Jerusalem, to be named that, to memorialize that. And it's at this last point of breaking down this middle wall of partition that separated Jew and Gentile that's addressed here by this man who's measuring the city because this man is getting ready for the city to be expanded to accommodate all those new precious believers coming from all over the world. The Lord Jesus Christ told us that the city was going to be enlarged and that there would be a new constructions going on in the city to accommodate all those new precious Gentile believers. When he said in John 14.1, John 14.1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. So the Lord Jesus Christ told us that all his followers would be together. There will be no separated groups. When he said in John 10, 16, John 10, 16, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. That's his theme, one fold, one shepherd, one city of Jerusalem. So go on, measure, Mr. Measuring Man, in verse two, because there's gonna be a flood of new, new inhabitants of Jerusalem. And those Gentile believers are gonna have one gathering point, one gathering point. And that gathering point was told by Jacob on his deathbed in Genesis 49.10. Genesis 49.10, when Jacob said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. That's another name for the Lord Jesus. Until Shiloh come. Unto him shall be the gathering, shall the gathering of the people be. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. The one gathering point is going to be unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Unto Jesus shall be the gathering, shall the gathering of all the Jewish and Gentile believers. Jesus is the gathering point. And what will be the central theme? What will be the central theme of the Gentiles as they come? It will be Psalm twenty-two twenty-seven. Psalm twenty-two twenty-seven. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. That verse is saying that all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And what are the ends of the earth going to remember that's going to cause them to turn to the Lord? That is Psalm 22, 27. That is a part of Psalm 22. That's the end of Psalm 22. And it says that the, all the ends of the earth are going to remember and turn to the Lord. Psalm 22 is the most graphic description of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, of his crucifixion. They pierced my hands and my feet, as in Psalm 22. Strong bulls of Bashan have surrounded me. Right around the cross, that's Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the first verse of Psalm 22. That's Psalm 22. And at the end of the description of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ in Psalm 22 comes verse 27, verse 27. And it's telling us that all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Will remember what? They'll remember the death of Christ. They'll remember the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They will remember what we are going to remember shortly when we take the bread and the, and the juice. It's remembering that Jesus Christ was crucified and died and was buried and rose again for their sins that's going to cause all those people of the world to worship the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who was crucified, according to Psalm 22, for their sins. And when all those people from the ends of the earth remember that they will then start off for their new home, Jerusalem. 
So we can see Mr. Measuring Man in verse 2, and we can say, measure on, measure on, because this city's got to be greatly expanded because of Psalm twenty-two twenty-seven. All the kindreds of the nations are coming to worship the Lord Jesus. So keep measuring, Mr. Measuring Man, in verse 2, because the city is going to be expanded to fit all the ends of the earth. That's going to be remembering. They're all going to be remembering that Christ died that horrible death that they deserved for their sins. And they'll all be turning to the Lord. They'll all be coming as new inhabitants of the city of Jerusalem. And if you were to ask any of those people coming from the ends of the earth, why are you coming? Why are you coming here? There would be no ambiguity on their part. They said they're flocking to the Lord Jesus because God said in Habakkuk 2.14, Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. When Israel, when the Jewish people rejected their Messiah, God the Father said something like this. God, I'll paraphrase. God the Father said, one bad turn deserves a super good turn. When God the Father said in Isaiah 49.6, Isaiah 49.6, and he said, it's a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to lighten the Gentiles, that thou mayest, my, thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. The Gentiles will come because they will be tired of living in darkness, and they'll come for light. Isaiah 60, verse 3, Isaiah 60, verse 3. The Gentiles shall come to thy light. Luke 2.32, Luke 2.32, Jesus is a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And so we can see how important this measuring man is in verse two because Jesus Christ is a light to the Gentiles and he's become a light to lighten the Gentiles and many Gentiles from the ends of the earth are coming to that light. They're all coming to Jerusalem. It's gotta be expanded. It's gotta be expanded because what we see a little bit later on in this book in Zechariah 8, 23 in Zechariah 8.23, we're going to see that the city's got to be expanded for all those skirt-clinging Gentiles who have clung to the skirt of a Jew. In, 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 in Zechariah 8.23, Zechariah 8.23, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold of out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Oh, so this measuring man, he's got this on his mind. This measuring man, there's 10 men, there's 10 Gentiles. They're speaking all the languages of the world. They've taken hold of the skirt of a Jew. They will let go of that skirt of the Jew. They're holding it tight. They're holding it very tight. And they have one demand. They must go with that Jew because they've heard that God is with the Jew. And they want God. Now, they just don't want God. They must have God. They will have God. And so the measuring man in verse, verse 10, he's got these 10 the skirt-clinging Gentiles in his mind who are saying that they won't let go until they are brought to God, so they're bringing them to Jerusalem. Jerusalem right now has different sections, different, very distinct sections. One of the sections is called Mir Sharim, Mir Sha'arim. Mir Sha'arim is where the, the frummers live, where they, the Orthodox Hasidic Jews live now. That's where they live, Mir Sharim. You don't want to drive there on Saturday unless you want a rock thrown through your windshield. There's also another part of Israel, uh, Jerusalem. There's the eastern sector of Jerusalem where the Arabs live, where the Arabs live. But the new Jerusalem, and this is very divided. So the Jerusalem's very divided. 
But the New Jerusalem is not going to have divisions to it. It will not be divided into regions. There will not be an Arab sector of Jerusalem. There will not be a Gentile sector of Jerusalem. There will not be a Jewish sector of Jerusalem called God's people sector. It's not going to be that way at all because all those nations that come to Jehovah Jesus as the Lamb of God, they're all going to be, verse 11, verse 11, many nations shall be joined unto the Lord in that day and shall be my people and I will dwell in the midst of them. That's very significant when it says that those nations will be joined to the Lord because if those many nations of Gentiles and the Jews are joined to Christ, that means 1 Corinthians 1.13, 1 Corinthians 1.13. Is Christ divided? Absolutely not. Christ is not divided. The Jews, those various many nations in verse 11, all joined to Christ. So that all means that the Jews and those many nations are not divided from each other. So there'll be no sectors as there is now in Jerusalem. Not like it is today. I, I, I was so shocked when I was in Jerusalem, um, 1987, a long time ago. I remember in, uh, there was this car, this little car, it was parked there and it had a Star David on the, on the license plate. So it was obviously owned by a Jewish man. And I watched this Arab come up to it and he, he coughed up the most gross mucus and just spit it on the windshield. I've never forgotten that because of the hatred that was displayed there. Jerusalem is gonna be different, very different. Jews and Arabs, many nations all joined to Jehovah Jesus. No divisions among them because all those Jews and all those Gentiles together by God are gonna be known as my people, my people. So we're very excited that the measuring man has come in verse two and with the idea of greatly expanding the city. In verse two, then I said, then verse two, then said I, whither goest thou? He said unto me to measure Jerusalem to see what is the breadth thereof, the length thereof. But wait, everybody says, wait, what about a wall? What about a wall? Now, when the first thing, when David moved into the city, he took it from uh, the Jebusites. When he moved into the city, he built the wall, and then he built Milo, it says in the Bible, which are like towers that, to guard the wall. It's part of the wall. And so he, some, some people would say to the measuring man, wait a minute, you're greatly expanding the city. What about the wall? We need a wall. We need a wall of protection. The, wall, the city's going to be so large all at once. How will you... What are you going to do for a wall? What are, what are we going to do for a wall? What a tragedy. There can't there can be a wall large enough that new expanded Jerusalem will have, will have to enclose millions and millions of people, many more millions than Los Angeles. Los Angeles has a diameter of 100 miles. How could there be a wall large enough to surround the whole city of Los Angeles or a city bigger than that? And to this, God says, don't worry. Don't worry about the wall. Just quick, put that concern about the wall out of your head. Run, God says. Run, run, run. Speak. So no one will worry about that. There being no wall, he says it in verse 4. Verse 4, he said unto him, Run, run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and for cattle therein. And the man's thinking, without walls? How can the city of Jerusalem be without walls? How will the city be protected with no walls? Mr. Measuring Man, he's saying, don't worry because God knows what he's about to do in verse five. Verse five, God says, for I say the Lord will be unto her a wall of fire round about. It will be in the glory in the midst of her. God himself is going to be a wall. God himself is going to be a wall of fire. Oh, 
Does that make us not worry? There could be no better protective wall than God himself. There could be no greater security than God himself being a wall of fire, a wall of fire surrounding that great new expanded Jerusalem large enough to protect everyone inside, a wall of fire that's always seen by everyone in Jerusalem, reminder of the protection God gives, just like the pillar of fire that was with the Israelites for those 40 years when they were in the wilderness. The wall of fire reminds me when I visited my friend Avi in Jerusalem. I called Avi up one day and I said, Avi, I'm coming to Israel to be with you. He says, oh, that's wonderful, Tom. Where are you going to stay in Israel? I said, it's your house. I'm waiting for you to invite me. He did. And Avi and I drove to Caesarea just uh, for a little outing to be together. We drove up Highway 6 from Jerusalem to Caesarea. And that was when the new wall between Israel and the Palestinian territory was being constructed. Now, the country of Israel, the government, kept that a big secret. No photographs in the newspaper. And most of the Israelis were really kept in, in dark about that wall. And they, they never saw the wall as it was being constructed. And we were passing by the Arab town of Kalkilia, and the government had pushed a big mound of dirt up against Highway 6 there because Avi explained to me that the residents of Kalkilia shoot bullets at the Israeli cars on Highway 6. And I remember as he was telling me that, and, and I, I just slumped down on the car a little bit. And, but then I saw the wall. I saw the wall being constructed. And Avi told me, he says, oh, I never saw the wall before. And I took a picture of the wall. And that night back home, I was going through my pictures and I put a little caption on the photo and the caption read, oh, that the Lord Jesus Christ would be a wall of fire for Israel. Well, those are my pictures, you know, and I, and I forgot I put that caption there and, and I was showing the pictures to Avi's wife. And when she saw that, to say she was angry was an understatement. She was infuriated. But verse five says that. Verse 5 says, for thus, for thus saith the Lord, I will be unto her a wall of fire round about. So the measuring man is pressed, and it was like he wanted to talk to, to Zechariah. He wanted to explain more to him as Zechariah was asking questions. But it seems like in verse 3, he's interrupted. In verse 3, he's interrupted. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went forth to meet him. So it was almost like the measuring man says, sorry, to Zechariah, I'd love to sit and talk with you, chat with you, but I just can't because I'm sent on a mission to measure the city and I can't spend time talking to you. So excuse me, I gotta move on. And all those Gentiles are coming. I gotta finish my work of measuring soon. And everyone is just amazed at the message that Jerusalem's gonna be expanded. It's gonna be towns without walls. Towns without walls, it's unheard of. And they're told to worry because it's gonna be, they have the wall of fire, a wall of fire. How could God be a wall of fire? A wall of fire. You know, the great fear of a wall is that it'll be broken through. That's what they used to do, broken through. But this wall, how can, a wall of fire can't be broken through. A wall of fire be maybe scaled. A wall of fire can't be scaled. A wall of fire, like, uh, like the fall of, uh, of Babylon, a uh, uh, Persia rather, Persia, when, when it was undermined, the great wall was undermined. This wall of fire can't be undermined. It can't be approached. It's a wall of fire. Only God can make a wall like that. Because God is a consuming fire in Deuteronomy 4.24. Deuteronomy 4.24, the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. 
That wall of fire is a wall of jealousy, God's jealousy. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.